As Protestants and Catholics, we worship the same God, we just do it a little differently. For example, Protestants worship God in their Bible studies, fellowship, and spirit-filled services. And Catholics worship God in their beautiful cathedrals, liturgies, and sacred traditions. But that's no reason to behave like prideful little children in the Father's house, fighting over who God loves more, just because we think our way is the best way. For there is no distinction between Jews and Gentiles, and there is no distinction between Protestants and Catholics. The same Lord is Lord of all, and is generous to all who call on Him. For everyone who calls on the name of the Lord shall be saved. We are all God's children, but the enemy has us distracted and divided against ourselves. Meanwhile, he's destroying our families and robbing our children of their future. We must join forces. Let's stop talking about how we are different and start talking about how we are all the same in our struggles. We are all broken and we all need a savior named Jesus. We like this idea so much we created Broken Catholic, the number one podcast in the world for Protestants and Catholics. Now close your eyes and take a listen as everyday Christians reveal shocking before and after stories of how they resisted or cooperated with God's plan for their life and what happened next. Hi, this is Dr. Scott Hahn and you're listening to Joseph Warren with Broken Catholic. You're going to enjoy everything you hear. Are you a dad over 40? Are you overeating, over drinking, or failing your family? Brother, if you're overweight, watching porn, or drinking more than once a week, then listen up. If you're struggling in your marriage or finances, you've lost your power as a man. What's even worse is that other men can smell weakness on you. When a man lacks confidence, he stinks of weakness. People could smell it on him a mile away. People and opportunities will avoid him because he's carrying a deadly disease called powerlessness. Remember back when you used to feel invincible, you were in your power, when you were unstoppable, back when you were the man? But how do you feel now, brother? Are you tired all the time, unmotivated, stressed, worried about the future? So what the heck changed? What happened to you? I'll tell you, you became undisciplined. You've been slipping for years, haven't you? You eat like crap, you half-ass your workouts, your health is slipping, your finances are slipping, your marriage is slipping... Your parenting is slipping. Your confidence is slipping. A pile of slips leads men to a big fall. How do I know? Because I'm you, brother. You are me. I am you. Brother, you're out of power. I'm in my power. Let me help you get your power back. Apply for our shredded father's brotherhood where husbands, dads, and businessmen over age 40 are getting shredded and staying ripped for life. Go to shreddedfathers.com. Limited spots are available. Brother, your wife and kids are waiting for you to step up and lead them. Brother, wake up. Move. Today, my featured guest is Robert Leatherwood. He has a passion for mentoring and has spent his entire lifetime investing in students, men, and fathers. He has adopted the commission of Elijah as his own, working to turn the hearts of children to their fathers and the hearts of fathers to their children. The world needs this desperately, I believe. He is the founder of Great With God Ministries. You can find him at greatwithgod.com. That's greatwithgod.com. And this organization exists to equip mentors worldwide with the tools and resources to make mature disciples of Christ. He is a missionologist who whose uh, work is to reach all nations in his generation. That's his legacy. That's the impact he wants to leave on this world. 
For the last 17 years, he has served as the Senior Development Officer for International Cooperating Ministries, or ICM.org. Robert, welcome to Broken Catholic. Welcome to the show, my friend. Go ahead and fill in some of the gaps in that intro, would you? Oh, man. Thank you for having me on your show first. I love your mission. I love what you're doing. Uh, God is using this because this is speaking to people where they're at. For me personally, uh, you know, I'm, I call myself a, a Baptocostal Methodarian. I'm basically just a spiritual mutt. I was raised Methodist and, uh, you know, grew up, went through the baptism, went through confirmation, still didn't get it. Uh, you can do that, you know. Uh, <laughs> finally found my faith at a, a, my, my friend invited me to his Baptist youth retreat, and I heard the message there. I uh, started hanging out with the charismatics a little bit, and, and now I'm working for a Presbyterian. So there you have it. Uh, that's a little bit of my spiritual pedigree, but I, I tell you the truth. I came to faith young. Uh, you know, I was 16 years old when I, I came into the faith. I didn't ever have a real backsliding time. It was just all uh, guns forward. And uh, that actually led to a little bit of spiritual burnout. Uh, ended up in a rut because I was approaching the ministry the wrong way. But nonetheless, uh, from the beginning, I, I tried to really live all out for him. Got that. All right. So let's talk about that today, right? Like, I, I, I think I want to go here with the theme, and you and I spoke a little off camera about it. Uh, you know, and I'm just going to title the show From Spiritual Rut to Spiritual over, Overflow. What do you that's, think? Spiritual that's, that's Rut a, to Spiritual Overflow. I love it. Does that sum up your life a little bit? It completely sums up my life. That is, I, I could steal that one. That's, that's that. Oh, you can't, that's good, bro. Everything that leaves my mouth is trademarked by God. Oh, Bam. <laughs> Bam. All right, brother. So let's talk about that spiritual bread. All right. So, so you raised that in the faith, young age and everything. At what age did you uh, start to backslide, as you said, and, and slide into that spiritual rut? Thank you. You know, I, uh, I was one of these guys who actually worked at the church. I was a youth pastor. I was paid staff. And um, even as I'm, I'm working at the church, I just want you to know I'm reading my Bible every day. I'm doing all the things that most people are thinking are going to bring, uh, uh, keep the soul healthy. And yet I find myself um, 37 years old. And uh, my marriage is in a tough spot. My wife is looking at me saying, you know what? I am tired of your leftovers. Mm. Oh, and uh, so then I'm I'm reading uh, Malachi chapter one, and he has a whole chapter there on giving God your leftovers because what the people were doing they were bringing blemished lambs to be offered, and uh, and and the prophet Malachi says I want you to tell my people that I wish they'd just shut the doors because right now they're bringing me blemished offerings. And it makes me sick. I'd rather receive no offering than a blemished offering. And God was using that because now the scriptures are talking to me. Now my wife's talking to me. And I'm beginning to realize that God's not real happy with my, uh, my uh, scraps. Uh, matter of fact, he just let me know. He said, hey, Leatherwood, you've been walking with me for over 20 years. And you're treating me like a two-year-old. Mm. And uh, you're going to have to show a better form of affection than that. And so that wake-up call was, uh, was huge for me because it sent me soul-searching. Well, wh- wh- what do I do? Uh, the first step that I did was, 
was called pruning my life. Because um, I asked my wife, I, I had a huge accident. I, I broke my nose and it was an accident that really could have killed me. Mm. And uh, whenever you're in a severe accident, you, uh, you ask yourself, God, what are you trying to tell me? That's what I always ask. And I couldn't think of a single thing that I was doing wrong. Uh, <laughs> I said, God, you know, I'm, I'm I love that. And uh, so I asked my wife, I said, what is it? She says, you're too busy. I thought that was the lamest excuse any woman could ever, you're too busy? I'm like, come on, get out of here, no way. Well, I began to meditate on that, and uh, that's exactly how I was approaching my relationship with God as well. You know, I had my devotions every night. I had my Bible by my nightstand, opened it up, read my chapter or two, faithfully closed it, said a quick prayer, went to bed. Mm. I was giving God my leftovers. So the very first thing I had to do was to pair my calendar. So I literally diagrammed my life. I diagrammed my life and I created what's called a stop doing list. I was on five committees because I was an egomaniac, mm. huge egomaniac. I was serving on all these committees that I thought were changing the world and they were changing the world and my friends invited me to be a part of that. And it was a real ego trip. Uh, I called Tell all five of them up. Tell me more about that. Yeah, a real egomaniac because I think a lot of us in the spiritual mm. space Christian space, we wrestle with, with that. We, we wrestle with worshiping our ego rather than God. Absolutely. You know, there's, more about that. there's two elements to this. One is, uh, is the busyness factor. Yes. You know, we just want to be busy, and that somehow affirms us. That, that we're, but so there's also important. this idea of wanting uh, to be esteemed, you know, loving the praises of men more than the, the praises of God. And I, I wanted, I was, and I was seeking the esteem of my peers. And so that had caused me to, I'm serving on not one extra committee. I'm doing my job, but I'm doing five extra committees. That's a lot of time during a, a man's year uh, because yes, every, yes. and I, uh, I called them all up, had lunch with each and every one of them and said, listen, you need to know something. I quit. I'm off. I want you to know there's nothing wrong between you and I, but God is on me right now. Holy Spirit is on me. And uh, I, I, I just, I need to prune my life. I don't have any room for him. And so I, uh, I very cordially uh, re sent my resignation and immediately effective to all five of these. And so now I've got time and um, that's mm. when things begin to change. Now, what did that do for your marriage? Thank you for asking. Uh, number one, it, it gave me the space that I needed to honor my wife. My wife began to see changes in my life. Uh, I can remember uh, I had, I, so I quit all these things and I started a few spiritual disciplines. And I had uh, my wife and my son both said these words to me, you've changed. Mm. When your own wife says, how often does she ever say that? I promise you, I haven't heard it again. <laughs> but uh, my son and my, my wife were both sitting down with me and they both said, you've changed. And I thought, oh my goodness, I couldn't even see it, to be honest with you. It was it's so imperceptible, mm -hmm. uh, the spiritual changes that were happening. But there was time. There was time to give to my kids, to my wife, and to the Lord. Mm, I absolutely love that. And, and Robert, this is something that like what you're saying right now is what I coach my spiritual coaching clients on is like the biggest thing is we look at is your calendar aligned with God's hierarchy? 
the hierarchy that God set for each human life, for us to win, for us to prosper. And it looks like God is first, spouse is second, kids are third, then others, then you, then work. I love it. And you know, until our calendars line up and match that, our life is broken. It's all over the place because it's not lined up with the way, the order that God ordained, right? And, and that's what I heard. This is what I got. Broken Catholic nation uh, is reprioritize your calendar to match God's. Absolutely. Amen. And that's what Robert did. And right there, God shifted his marriage. God shifted his life. Go ahead, Robert. What do you want to add to that? Well, I just have to add to you. There, there, was, a, there was this next step. I was listening to a guy talk about uh, John chapter 15. Uh, Jesus says, I am the vine. And uh, there's really a, a couple of dimensions there, but he talked about this dimension of abiding. Abiding is King James. We don't use it a whole lot. And to be honest with you, it didn't help me to say abiding, but a, God gave me a new definition. He says, if you will maintain a living communion. Yes. If you'll maintain a living communion. What does that mean in plain speak to oh, you? You're, thank you. You're making this easy for me. I, I'm telling you, to, to maintain a living communion is to daily seek him first until you find him. Uh, and it's the dailiness of it that abiding means daily. And uh, because I used to be what I call Bobo. Bobo is blink on, blink off. <laughs> I was a part-time abider. And the scriptures are clear on this. There are absolutely no blessings that are coming to the, the double-minded man. Mm. And uh, a lot of people out there are trying to do this thing part-time, uh, part-time abider. And it can really de deceive you because when you're a part, there's nothing greater than being a part-time abider to becoming a full-time abider. Wow. Uh, when I began to get into the, my, my mentor basically said, Leatherwood, either you get up in the morning and you seek until you find him every day, or guess what you get in exchange? You get to be an average Christian. Mm. Now, I'm a competitive guy. All you have to do is just say, hey, you know what your, your prize reward is? You get to be average. Whoa. This guy totally captured my attention. I said, that's, that's not acceptable. <laughs> I'm not going to be average anything. Uh, I'm not going to be an average Christian. So if that's the price tag, he told me, price tag, you get up at 5.30, you seek until you find him, and uh, I've made vows to that. And uh, it's made a huge difference in my life. Wow. That's really powerful. It's something uh, I also uh, teach my coaching clients is uh, to do a daily holy hour, which is exactly what you're saying, right? And it's, it, it's 40 days. I give them a 40-day holy hour challenge because that's how you develop the new habit. It's also uh, you're not too good for it. And here's what I mean by that. If you look at all the prophets, all the men and women that God used in the Bible, they all spent 40 days with God in silence, listening. All of them, even Jesus, before he was called into mission, what did he do? He spent 40 days in the wilderness with the Father, listening, being filled up with the mission, the assignment, his identity. Then he went into the battle, and we all skipped that. We, we feel we get baptized, we feel the Holy Spirit's on us, and we want to go out and make disciples of all nations before we allowed God to disciple us. Woo. 
And that looks like 40 days in the desert with God. What is your desert, desert BC nation? And, and this is something every man's got to go through. And if you don't, you're skipping. You're skipping. You're trying to hack heaven. And you're it's not only trying to hack heaven, but you're actually, uh, you're going to end up living a powerless Christian life. Right, because you'll be relying on yourself rather than God's power. True or true? Totally true. And uh, it's the dailiness of it that, that's really the breakthrough when you show up as broken every morning and just to show up into in the presence of God and say, Lord, I'm here, number one, to delight in you. And I'm here to declare that I can't. Mm, I, I, don't have can. it, I don't have it within me. Yes. Uh, I, I'm not smart enough. I'm not strong enough. I'm not the savior. I'm not the deliverer. I can't save anybody. I can't change anybody. I can't even change myself, but you mm. can. And I am in you and you are in me. Robert, that's so beautiful. And that I know in my own faith journey that has helped me tremendously is showing up and saying, God, you are God. I am not Amen. help. Amen. Like that's, that's one of the best prayers I've ever said. And, and you're right. It's a daily communion with God. It's a daily being in his presence in his presence. How do you develop any relationship, BC Nation? You can't say, I love my wife, and then you only see her once a year. Nobody would believe you, right? No one. No one. And this is what we do to God. We give him our leftovers of our time rather than every single day. And, and I make it, give him an hour a day every day. Your first hour, give him, tithe your time, not just your money. What shows it, up for you, Robert? It changed everything in my life. Uh, two things came out of this that I wasn't expecting. You know, there's a lot of people talk about power. You have the power of the Holy Spirit in your life. I've got the power of the Holy Spirit in my life. It just didn't show up exactly the way I thought. You know, you can talk about some of the Pentecostal charismatic power, you know, get, you pray and people get healed or a number of things that we consider the power manifestation. How would you like to see the powerful manifestation of self-control in your life hmm. that would be the power of the holy spirit if you if your life begins to get dominated by i got self-control where i've never had self-control before you know what that is that's the fruit of spending time with the father you know there's there's peace in my life that is the fruit of the holy spirit why because every morning i show up and i i give it all back to god Mm. somehow or another it crawls back into my plate in 24 hours so i got to show up again and say god i know we talked about this yesterday but i'm giving you my kids today i give you my schedule today i give you everything and it's done daily i live in peace like i never found before i've got self-control in my life that i never had before i've got joy in my life that i've never had before i've since mm. the reprioritizations are there my marriage is better right now than it's been ever Wow. This is the fruit of the Holy Spirit. I agree. And something you just touched on is something I, I also teach, right? You're just hitting all these buttons for me. So I'm just going to speak unapologetically here. And something I teach in all my coaching is the surrender principle. And this is something I've developed. And the surrender principle simply states that your happiness, your level of happiness is in direct proportion to what you hold on to or surrender to God. And the problem is we're all holding on to our junk and we're not giving it to God. We're holding on to our struggles. We're not giving it to God. You're holding on to your spouse. You're holding on to your kids. And it's really control. 
Yes. It's your playing God. You think that you have to go to work on that thing or you have to go fix that thing, that you're the problem solver of your life and you're fooling yourself. We're not at all. We're broken. And Robert just said it so well, BC Nation, like coming to God and saying, God, I don't know what I'm doing. Like I literally, I'm giving it back to you again today. And it's the surrender principle. Every day, surrender your life, your situation, your spouse, everything going on. Surrender it to God, which in fact is you just surrendering your ego and pride and your will to God's. What shows up, Robert? I, 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 I love what you're, I actually, the exact same thought. Uh, I would say your spiritual maturity can be directly attributed to how surrendered you are. The more surrendered you are, the more spiritually mature you are. I like to think of a newspaper, and I realize nobody uses newspapers anymore, but follow me here. Think of a Sunday morning newspaper. You remember those things. And what ends up happening is, is that we take the religious section out of the Sunday morning paper, and we give that to God, and we hold on to the rest. And God doesn't want just the religious section. Can you imagine? Uh, we end up, he, he puts his finger on these one at a time, and now you're giving the finance section. Now you're giving home. Eventually, he asks for the entertainment section. And it, one by one, when you show up in your prayer closet in your morning, in your holy hour, he begins to touch his finger on these different elements that he wants surrendered. Till finally, what ends up happening is, is you've given him the whole newspaper except for the one that you're holding behind your back. Mm. It could be finances. I know what it is. <laughs> It's the classified section. It's the classified. It's all your little desires. Ooh, all your wants. I love it. So you're holding on to this one thing behind your back, and, and God is so wonderful. You know, he loves you so much that he won't leave you where you're at. That's right. And he keeps coming after these different areas of our life for our own good because he loves us. That's and right. uh, he knows that anything that we hold on to will eventually uh, poison us and harm us and uh, we'll keep the power of God from being manifest through our lives. So very gently, I, I like to say it this way. Let me say it this way. God is irrevocably committed to the fact that we are going to grow up. All right, go deeper with that. Expand on that. <laughs> irrevocably committed. He, he won't stop. I mean, I, I work for a man who's 98 years old. I mean, he's 98, and he was at work five days a week last week. Uh, I've talked to him on occasion. I said, you know, do you ever get out of class? Because I got honest with you. I, I, wanted, I talked to dad about it all the time. I said, God, when is class out? You know what he told me? He says, you'll know when class is out because you'll be standing before me. I'm like, oh, I, I get it. Uh, this 98-year-old man says, listen, let me tell you about this. Uh, God's still working on me. <laughs> so he's irrevocably. You can't escape it. And even if you dodge a bullet, and you kind of shortcut what he's doing, because he'll work in your life, and what we do is, is instead of getting the, I put it this way, don't waste good problems. Don't waste good problems. God has spent a lot of time bringing the crisis in your life, and he brought you to that crisis to help you let go of something. And if you short circuit that, I got news for you, it'll be a week, it'll be a month, it'll be a year, it'll be two years later, but that same that same issue is going to arise in a little bit different context, and God's going to go after it again. That's what I mean by being irrevocably committed. Mm, I really like that. So what I heard you say, and I'm putting in my own words, God is irrevocably committed to our spiritual maturity, which 
the, the simple word is he's committed to us becoming holy and becoming saints. Amen. That's what it comes down to. All right, Robert, just like any good conversation, we're running out of time here, buddy. All right, so let's get right into my favorite part of the show. It's called Broken Catholic, so watch the play on words here. Welcome to the confession round. Okay, Robert, I'm going to ask you 10 quick-fire questions. You're going to have three seconds to answer each. They're just for fun. Don't overthink them. Are you ready, sir? Go for it. All right. What's your favorite thing about God? Dad. He's father. Mm, I love that. What's your least favorite thing? He... Every son whom I love, I discipline, and I chastise, and I rebuke. <laughs> yeah. It's like, can I have the fatherhood without the discipline? <laughs> what are you most afraid of? I'm most afraid of not being as fruitful as I possibly can. I don't mm. want to show up before the throne and him say, you know, you left a lot on the table. Uh, I'm an athlete, so I, I run, and I want to finish the race on a personal best. And uh, so – I'm afraid of, of not maximizing Robert Leatherwood's full potential in the kingdom. I get that. What did you spend way too much time doing in your 20s? Uh, probably uh, too interested in chasing my wife around the house. <laughs> Got it. What secret fear do you have about people? Um, well, the secret fear is, is that I know that I'm weak in empathy and uh, gee whiz, I, 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 I'm asking God and I'm working on developing empathy and I, I just afraid that I'm, I want to work the program more than I want to work people. And that's a tendency of me. And it, it scares me that I would overlook somebody's real needs because I got a program I want to do. Mm, I get that. What do you wish you had learned sooner about God? Abiding. You know, I don't think you have to wait. I was 39 when I began my, my abiding route, and uh, I could have been doing that all along. Um, so that's what I wish I discovered, the dailiness of it, because I was Bobo. I promise you, I was a, I was a good part-time abider for a God. long time. What's a new habit you want to form? I'm working on my diet right now like you would never believe. I don't know if you've ever heard of something called intermittent fasting. Uh, oh, yeah. I'm, I'm actually it. on this plan right now. and that's, that's It, it works. Yeah, no meal until 2 p.m. There you <laughs> that's go, how I was doing it. All right, so uh, what is a bad habit you want to break? Uh, Three seconds. Oh, I, I, the, the, the bad habit I want to break. Uh, I'm addicted to sugar. There you go. Pick three words to describe who you are now. I am uh, a mentor. I'm now a father-in-law for the first time in my life. My son just got married. And I'm trying to be a, uh, a guy who has won the heart of his wife. That's, that's my goal. I want to be known that way. When was the last time you checked in with her and, and found out your status? Oh, man, it's good right now. We're checking in each other a lot. Awesome, man. And pick three words to de describe who you were before you experienced God in your heart. There was an egomaniac who was in a rut who, uh, you know, I was... That'll do. That's good enough. There you go. Got it. And final question. If you could come back to life after you died, look your family and friends, your wife in the eye, 
and give them only one piece of advice. What would you say to them, Robert? Find abiding. You need to become best friends with God. I call it the man creed. You were created by God. You were created for God. And my life's highest ambition and the ambition I have for my children is that they would become best friends with God. Whatever it takes, make that true. Love it. Any final wisdom? What's the one thing you want my listener to know about having a relationship with God versus not? The key is finding mentors. That's what I want to tell them. I want to tell them you're not going to be able to maximize your spiritual journey or any other element of your life unless you get a a professional. I don't use the word professional. You need a mentor in your life. Find somebody. Take responsibility for finding a mentor. They will help you grow. Amen to that. And BC Nation, if you're looking for that type of mentorship and somehow I resonate with you, go to josephwarren.net, schedule a clarity call with me. We'll jump on for 20, 30 minutes and have a conversation about what do you really want in your life right now? And do we want to work together? And that, that's what we do, spiritual coaching. And we get you out of the spiritual rut that you may find yourself in right now. And it doesn't matter how much money you have. We all get into spiritual ruts. Most of my clients are very well-to-do. And they're as broken as me and you. It's just what's so. So, uh, Robert, uh, what's the best way for BC Nation to get in touch with you if they so choose? They need to be uh, going to www.greatwithgod.com. Got it. Fantastic. Greatwithgod.com. Greatwithgod.com. And Robert, you got a book out there. We don't have time to speak about it, but BC Nation, go check out Robert's book called Parable of the Iron Man. And you can find it on Amazon. Just uh, type in his name, Robert Leatherwood. Um, And it's Parable of the Iron Man, transforming your weak spot into your sweet spot. Robert, thank you for being on the show today on Broken Catholic. Uh, I wish you God's love, God's peace, and God's joy in all areas of your life, my friend. Are you a dad over 40? Are you overeating, overdrinking, or failing your family? Brother, if you're overweight, watching porn, or drinking more than once a week, then listen up. If you're struggling in your marriage or finances, you've lost your power as a man. What's even worse is that other men can smell weakness on you. When a man lacks confidence, he stinks of weakness. People could smell it on him a mile away. People and opportunities will avoid him because he's carrying a deadly disease called powerlessness. Remember back when you used to feel invincible, you were in your power, when you were unstoppable, back when you were the man? But how do you feel now, brother? Are you tired all the time, unmotivated, stressed, worried about the future? So what the heck changed? What happened to you? I'll tell you, you became undisciplined. You've been slipping for years, haven't you? You eat like crap, you half-ass your workouts, your health is slipping, your finances are slipping, your marriage is slipping, your parenting is slipping, your confidence is slipping. A pile of slips leads men to a big fall. How do I know? Because I'm you, brother. You are me, I am you. Brother, you're out of power. I'm in my power. Let me help you get your power back. Apply for our shredded father's brotherhood where husbands, dads, and businessmen over age 40 are getting shredded and staying ripped for life. Go to shreddedfathers.com. Limited spots are available. Brother, your wife and kids are waiting for you to step up and lead them. Brother, wake up. Move.